Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Good morning. My name is Maddie. Thank you all so much for being here today. We're so glad that you're here. I am super excited for what we're digging into today. Grateful for this opportunity. We're going to be continuing on today in our Holy Spirit series, today focusing on the fruit of the Spirit. So I hope that today is encouraging to you. It has been for me just digging into this material. God has been teaching me so much throughout um, this series on the person and power of the Holy Spirit and all that that means for our lives. Um, If you've missed any of the messages in this series so far, I highly recommend going back, checking those out on our websites or our podcasts. Um, They've all been just super encouraging. Um, For those of you that have been coming around for the last several weeks, I don't know about you, but this series has been absolutely blowing my mind. I gave my life to Jesus about seven years ago, and this is the first time I feel like I'm actually really understanding who the Holy Spirit is and all that he can do in and through our lives. It's been incredible, it's been so timely, and I hope it's been as encouraging and challenging for you as it has been for me. One of the many things I've taken away from this series is learning to simply invite the Holy Spirit into the space that I'm in. So whatever I'm doing, whoever I'm with, when I take the time to simply invite him to come and do what only he can do, it changes my perspective, helps me to get out of my own way and let the Holy Spirit have his way. So I'd love to pray for us just really quickly before we dive in today and then uh, we'll get into our passage for today. So Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you into this place today. God, you say that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are there among them. God, I thank you for that truth that you are with us in this place. God, I wanna pray specifically that you would open our hearts and minds to what you wanna say and do in and through us today. So God, we give this time to you, Lord, again, just to do what only you can do. Amen. Okay, friends, today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. Now, if you have been coming around church for a while, if you grew up in church just for any amount of time, have been in church, chances are um, this passage and this topic of the fruit of the Spirit is nothing new to you. Maybe you've heard messages on this passage before, or you've read it in your Bible, or you just know about it. It's a pretty popular one for good reason. It's super encouraging, Um, something I'm very passionate about, excited to share with you on all that the Spirit has taught me about his fruits over the years. Um, So my hope is that today can simply serve as a reminder for many of you, Um, and if this is new to you, I simply hope that you'll learn more about God's heart for you today. Week one of this series, Drake introduced it perfectly that after 15 years of living in a relationship with Jesus, he just felt like there was something more, and I found that just super relatable to me, and no matter where you're walking in today, on your spiritual journey, Jesus says that the moment we decide to trust in him, 
We are given the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And that truth right there has been sinking in like never before as we've been walking through this series together. So if you are a follower of Jesus in the room today, I've been praying for you that today would be an encouragement of all that the Holy Spirit can do when we give him the room. And if you're not a follower of Jesus in the room today, I've been praying for you too, um, simply that you would have confidence in what a life with the Holy Spirit looks like um, and that he is here today inviting you into a relationship with himself, that you can receive that power today. I know that might sound a little weird, but it's not, I promise, and it is the greatest gift that we can ever receive. It's saying yes to a relationship, saying yes to letting the Holy Spirit guide your life, which is a good thing, and that's what we're talking about today. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into Galatians chapter 5. This passage is titled, Living by the Spirit's Power. So I'm going to read this passage as a whole, and then we'll break it down verse by verse together. So starting here in verse 16, this is Paul writing to the churches in Galatia. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So, when Drake came to me a few weeks ago and said, do you want to speak on the fruit of the Spirit? I was like, Heck yeah, that's super encouraging. Let's do it, that sounds like fun. And then I read Galatians 5 and I remember all the other fun stuff that we read from Paul here. Verse 22 on the fruit, super encouraging, super awesome stuff. Everything else around it is really hard stuff. I was like, dang it, (laughs) what did I get myself into here? Um, Sinful nature, nail the passions and desires of your flesh to the cross. There's some big language in here, some big work that Paul presents to us here. And so all that to say, I know that that's a lot, but we're gonna break it down verse by verse together and today is going to be encouraging. I promise. Um, Before we get to that, I decided that I wanted to give you guys some big ideas for today. We're gonna be talking about a lot, jumping in a few different directions, so I just wanted to put these few things up on the screen for you to keep at the front of your mind today. We are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. With that, though, comes the what, the why, and the how. What is it? Why do we need it? And how do we get it? So some key phrases for you today are a new way of life. We are invited into a relationship with Jesus and a new way to live. Number two, true freedom. Emphasis on true, also emphasis on freedom. I have LOL in my notes, I guess I thought that was funny. Um, How we get there is this idea of dying to self. 
And we're gonna talk more in depth on each of these as we go along, but just so you know the direction that we're going in today. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Why do we need it and how do we get it? So back to our passage, verse 16, right out of the gate, Paul hits us with this command, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. What does that mean? Well, if we can let something happen, that must mean we can also not let it happen. Paul says here that if the Holy Spirit isn't guiding our lives, our sinful nature is. And the sinful nature, guys, is simply the opposite of the Holy Spirit. It can also be translated as the flesh or our disordered desires. The best description of the sinful nature that I have found comes later on in Paul's ministry. He's writing another letter to the Roman church, and in chapter seven of Romans, he says this. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. There's probably not another verse in the Bible that comes to mind more than this one for me, which is not great when I say it out loud, but this is seriously so relatable. We all do things we wish we didn't do, period. What Paul is saying here is that when we do these things, the things we regret, wish we could take back, whatever it is, it's bigger than surface level desire. It's bigger than making a mistake. He's saying that we are all born with and live with this thing called the sinful nature. But he goes on to say in verse 16 that if we let the Holy Spirit guide our lives, then we won't do what our sinful nature craves. And what's so amazing is what he says next in verse 17, that the Spirit actually gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Thank you, Jesus, for that truth. Now, let's break this down, because this is already a lot to unpack. So most of us know the story of Adam and Eve, the first sin that caused the rest of humanity to be born into sin, and the only thing that makes us right with God is believing in Jesus. Being born into sin means that we are both born into a broken world and are broken ourselves until God makes us whole. And it's not hard to see. I've been working as a substitute teacher for BBSD for the last um, eight months or so. I work with all the age ranges, gen ed, special ed, you name it. Um, elementary only though, because high schoolers scare me and middle schoolers are crazy. Sorry, Abigail, but we all know that it's true. Um, working with the younger ages though, the main thing that I notice kids get upset about is when they don't get what they want, right? And all kids basically need to be taught that the world does not revolve around them. And that's because we are all born with the nature to put ourselves first, to take care of number one, have our needs met. And even if you had good parents or positive voices, influences speaking into you, as you grew up, as an adult, the world tells us that freedom means being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. So that message doesn't go away. But some would argue that true freedom, big idea, number one, means being able to choose what is right despite our desires. Paul uses this analogy of slavery in the New Testament to define the sinful nature, that we are born slaves to sin. And no matter how hard you try to do good, you find yourself constantly doing what you know is wrong. And what Paul is saying here in this passage is that when we decide to trust in Jesus, there is a power greater than ourselves that lives within us, giving us the desire and the power to do what is right and good, someone that offers us true freedom. Paul goes on to say in verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. 
This is interesting too. The law of Moses was created by God. It's not bad. They're good laws that were put in place for a reason because they are what is best for us. For those of you that don't know, the law of Moses um, are simply the laws in the Bible that were set in place pre-Jesus for people to follow and obey. It's things like the Ten Commandments, um, having no other gods, no idols, no stealing, don't lie, honor your father and mother, don't murder. So, you know, generally good things. Um, But that list goes on and on and is impossible for any human to keep. And Paul says time and time again in his letters that following the law of Moses does not have the power to free us. Because of the sinful nature that lives within us, we can never be enough to save ourselves just by trying to do what is right. Paul says in Romans chapter three that the law, meaning the law of Moses, simply shows us how sinful we are. But because of what Jesus did for us, dying on the cross for our sins, we can be made right with God and have the gift of the Holy Spirit in us to guide us and direct our steps, lead us into doing good. And just to be clear on the laws that God gave us, um, right before this passage, verse 14, Paul says the entire law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So his laws are good, he is trustworthy, but we are not under obligation to the law when we are directed by the Spirit. I know this is heady, but stick with me. It's very important for what we're talking about today. The book of Galatians was written to a group of churches who weren't living by the power and freedom of the gospel of Jesus. Rather, they were trying to follow and obey the law of Moses in their own power and were turning to the desires of their sinful nature because they weren't trusting in Jesus. And Paul says in verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And he follows this list by saying, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I wanna be very clear on verse 21 here. Paul does not mean that if you do these things, you won't go to heaven. By believing in your heart, you are saved. Those of us living by the Spirit, we still won't always avoid these things. We're still flesh. We have the Holy Spirit. We are not the Holy Spirit. We still sin every single day because of our sinful nature. The power of the Holy Spirit simply but incredibly gives us the power to choose what is right, what is good. And God says there's no temptation too powerful that he will not show you the way out. Now, I know this is not the most fun portion of this passage to read. I really tried to find a way to not have to read these verses and still get the point across, but I think that's why Paul includes it, because the truth is important. He points out, left to our own nature, this is what life without the Spirit looks like. He's clear here that if we choose to live in habitual, unrepentant sin, that's the line between choosing to live life by the Spirit and choosing to live by the flesh without God. And while this isn't fun to talk about, I believe that Jesus is equal parts truth and grace. He's simply saying that we have a choice to live with him or without him. And guys, God knows your heart. If you are struggling with sin, not just from this list, any sin, most likely Paul is speaking here to what the people in Galatia at the time were um, struggling with. But whatever it is for you guys, we all have our junk. Brokenness is the result of our sinful nature. But take encouragement from the gospel of Jesus today that he died to set you free from guilt and shame and rose again to break the power of sin in your life. Recognizing that you want to change is step one, and Jesus is right there with you saying, let's go do this thing together. And guys, when we choose to abide in him, Paul says that this is the result. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says there is no law against these things. The original Greek word for fruit in Galatians 5 is karpos, and one definition means a result of something. When the fruit of the Spirit is displayed in our lives, it is a sign or a result that we are being led by the Spirit of God. And what's so incredible is that the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us to work hard for the fruit, to work on helping it grow. The fruit is a result of a life surrendered to the Spirit of God. So we are not called to focus on growing the fruit ourselves. We are called to focus on God's spirit, to abide in Jesus. In the book of John, he says, he is the vine, we are the branches, and if we remain in him, we will bear much fruit. Guys, that's incredible that we don't have to try so hard, but get to watch the spirit change us. This series, we've been diving into some big topics, healing, prophecy, speaking in tongues, raising people from the dead, this incredible stuff. But guys, I want you to know that what we're talking about today is just as supernatural. That there is a spirit living within us, a power beyond ourselves that is with us, constantly helping us to grow and change to look more like Jesus. To help us fight the daily battle with our flesh, helping us to do what is right and good and loving. The fruit are not behaviors, they're not even commands. Together they make the inner disposition of the spirit living in us. The one command that we are given from Paul here is in verses 24 and 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. He's saying keep in step with the spirit. Walk with the Spirit, abide in Jesus, devote yourself to him, and the fruit is the byproduct of that relationship. Our job is to pick up our cross, our desires, our weaknesses, our struggles, our insecurities, and follow him every single day. We'll dive deeper into that idea, what that looks like for us practically, but before we do, I decided that I wanted to take a deeper dive into each part of the fruit. Nothing too in detail, but a while back I read a devotional that dove into each section of the fruit and gave some really helpful definitions. So we'll have these up on the screen as we walk through these. Um, I do wanna be clear though, that as we're talking about these individually, the fruit of the spirit is singular. Imagine like an orange, one fruit, multiple parts. Um, I thought today about bringing some oranges up on stage and like throwing them to you guys as I went through each part of the fruit and realized very quickly that that was a very poor idea. Um, But yes, just so you can kind of imagine in your mind, one fruit, multiple slices. Does that make sense? Multiple parts. Cool. The Holy Spirit does not give one person joy and then another kindness. He also doesn't grow one part of the fruit at a time. First you get peace and then self-control. No, as we abide in Jesus, the Holy Spirit grows his fruits as one. So um, with that, there's no way that I could flesh these out entirely with our time today. Each part of the fruit could easily have a whole message around it. Um, This is just to give a good kind of baseline understanding of the fruits and the life that the Holy Spirit has to offer. So with that, first up is love. Love is the selfless giving devoted love of God in others. It's an active display and compels us to put others' needs above our own. Love honors others and celebrates truth no matter how difficult it is to hear it. It gives of self even when it doesn't feel like it. 
Love doesn't allow feelings to dictate its choices. Love is hopeful, persevering, and trusting. Loving people keep hatred, apathy, and self-preservation far from them. Next up is joy. Joy is a deep and enduring state of our soul that no circumstance, event, or human can steal away from us. It's delighting in God and choosing to rejoice in all things. This doesn't mean we are always in a good mood, but we can remain in an unexplainable place of contentment. One of my good friends, her name is Lisa. She came and spoke here a little over a year ago, and she shared her story, and if you know her, you know she's had a really hard life. Um, you'd also know that she's one of the most joyful people on the planet. And it makes no logical sense, but she got up on stage and she testified that her joy did not come from within herself. It couldn't. Rather, it came from a true knowing and intimacy with Jesus, giving her the power to choose to rejoice in all things. Next up is peace. Peace is a deep well of confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. Peace comes from resting in the promises of God. It's choosing to work with others for a common goal instead of insisting on our own way. C.S. Lewis said it beautifully, that life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. As I was preparing for today, I felt like I needed to spend a little extra time here on the peace that the Spirit offers us. These past few months, I've felt a heaviness that I can't really explain, but it's been present and I'm seeing it everywhere. And I don't know where everyone is walking in today, but I do know that every single one of us will face seasons of fear and anxiety, whatever that looks like for you. Jesus tells us in this life we will experience trials and suffering, but immediately following that, he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. In the Gospel of John, Jesus gives us a clear understanding of who the Spirit is and the peace he offers us who know him. In chapter 14, Jesus uses the Greek word paraclete to describe the Holy Spirit, which can be best translated as comforter or encourager. I love that. He says, I am leaving you with this gift, peace of mind and heart, so don't be troubled or afraid. The Holy Spirit is the person of Jesus the Son and God the Father alive in us, bringing us comfort and encouragement and truth when we need it. So if you're walking in today with a spirit of fear or anxiety, darkness, heaviness, first know that you're not alone, and know that as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you, and that darkness has no power over you. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, he says that the peace he gives is a peace that the world cannot give. He wants you to rest in his peace today. All you have to do is say yes to him. Okay, patience. Patience is exhibiting calmness during the midst of stressful situations. It's showing empathy toward others when they are not doing things to our standard. Patience is produced when we support the growth in others as they are on their own journey in life. Patient people don't become easily annoyed, agitated, nor do they show intolerance. I need some of that today, Holy Spirit. All right, kindness is being genuinely kind to anyone and everyone. It assumes that all people deserve kindness no matter the differences, viewpoints, or cultures. Kindness serves when there is a need. It looks out for the well-being of others and shows compassion when needed. Goodness doesn't approach or entertain sin. It does the right thing and challenges other people to do the same, even if the conversation is uncomfortable. It is decent, honest, moral, honorable, virtuous, and full of integrity. Good people don't just do the right thing, they make things right. 
faithfulness, is being dependable in our relationship with God and others. It's choosing to be true to our word and following through with our promises. Faithfulness possesses a constancy, devotedness, and steadfastness in all its interactions. It's being reliable in a world that isn't. Gentleness is being calm, serene, and tranquil. It's been said that gentleness is the grace of the soul. Being gentle doesn't mean someone is weak. It takes great strength to be gentle when the flesh wants the opposite. Last up, self-control. Self-control is not letting our circumstances cause us to lose control. Self-control exhibits moderation and discipline. It's choosing, under significant pressure, to chase after the important instead of the urgent. Self-controlled people show restraint and are not impulsive. Andy Minio said that the paradox of Christian living is that we must give up control of self to gain self-control. So every day, we have three choices. To live for ourselves, to live for others, which can be a form of living for self, it's rooted in pride, or to live for God. Choosing to believe in and follow Jesus is a relationship, first and foremost, absolutely, but it's also an invitation into a new way to live, where we are invited into love, joy, peace, all of it, but it takes giving up control of self, nailing the passions and desires of our sinful nature to the cross. Since giving my life to Jesus, I can honestly say that I've felt this battle in my heart and mind every single day, the battle between flesh and spirit. And earlier on in my walk with Jesus, it used to be so easy to let my sinful nature lead, upsettingly so. I felt out of control of myself, stuck in sin and disobedience, a slave to my desires. I felt the tension over what the spirit wanted, the deepest desires of my heart to do what was right and good and best for myself and others, but I wasn't letting him lead. I was chasing after joy and comfort and pleasure in the creation instead of the creator. And I kept asking the question, God, how do I let you lead? I couldn't figure it out. And in this last year, God kept bringing me back to this idea of dying to myself, of picking up my cross and following him and what that really meant. And I found the answer the beginning of this year when we walked through a series called Followers. We use this paradigm for transformation. And if you've been coming around for a while, you might be thinking this again, yes, this again, because it's that important. This is how, the how behind letting Jesus form us and shape us to look more like him. Teaching, practice, community, I'm telling you, honestly, faithfulness to this process is how I die to myself every day and let the Holy Spirit guide my life. Number one, community. Choosing to be vulnerable and practicing confession. Telling people about the things I was keeping in the dark and letting them hold me accountable. Changed my life. Teaching, learning from those that have gone before me. Whether it was a message on a Sunday or a book, podcast, coffee with someone who could speak into what I was going through. And practice, silence and solitude. Reading the word and praying. Sabbath, resting in Jesus. These were some of the biggest factors for me and getting over the hump of feeling lost and stuck and out of control. And at the center of it all is the power of the Holy Spirit. And what makes this so important, guys, is this means that we don't have to fight this daily battle on our own. Jesus shows us the way. We have a greater power, a strength beyond ourselves. All we have to do is tap into it, and this is the how. Jesus doesn't ask us to do it on our own. He knows what we can do on our own. Nothing. His words, you can do nothing without me. And hear me on this, guys. Dying to self does not mean losing yourself. It means getting out of your own way, letting the Holy Spirit guide your life instead of your sinful nature. 
It means finding your life, purpose, worth, value, love, all in a relationship with Jesus. Matthew 16, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Jesus calls us to self-denial, to put to death the desires of our flesh in order to tap into our deepest desires, peace of mind and heart, supernatural joy, self-control, but it's a daily decision. Every day I have to wake up and give the day to God to lead me, guide me. I have to choose him every day and put to death my sinful nature. It's a thousand tiny deaths, each time saying, Jesus, I am yours. And with each death, I feel more alive because what Jesus wants for me and for you is deep happiness and a calm spirit. He wants what is best for you. And letting go of self, giving our lives to him is the way to get there. Yes, there is a cost of following Jesus. He never says that this is gonna be easy, but I would argue that there is a much greater cost to not following him. He says in verse 26, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? So guys, it's giving up short-term pleasures to gain the long-term fruit that only the Spirit can give. So like I said, I've been following Jesus now for um, a little over seven years, and for the last three-ish of those years, I am pretty positive. I've been holding on to something that Jesus was asking me to surrender. And I understand now he had been asking me to do just this, pick up my cross, give up my own way in this thing because it was not good for me. I denied it for so long because I didn't want to give it up in and of itself. It was not a sin. My flesh desired it for short-term pleasure. But about three weeks ago, I was in a pretty heavy headspace, overwhelmed with life, responsibilities, relationships, and one night I heard so clearly that this thing was simply getting in the way of what God wanted to do in and through my life. And something clicked. That was enough for me to finally step away, surrender this thing. And the next day, I felt this unexplainable freedom by making that choice to choose God, let the Holy Spirit lead this part of my life. About a year ago, I read this book called The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. The subtitle is How Real Friendship with the Holy Spirit Can Change Your Life. Highly recommend checking it out. Addresses a lot what we've been talking about during this series. He talks about all this incredible stuff that the Holy Spirit can do. Is sharing these stories, really encouraging things, and then he presents this question. What in your life is getting in the way? What are you not letting go of? What are you not surrendering? Because until you do, you will stay stuck in your own way of letting the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you into more of his miracles and more of his fruit. Guys, I'm telling you today that I wish I would have listened to him three years ago because it would have saved me from a lot of heartache. And the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I trust that his ways are better than mine and I just do not know what I need. But that he is trustworthy, he is good, and he is for me. As a follower of Jesus, you will always have the spirit with you. You will always have a relationship with Jesus. The word says there's nothing that can separate you from his love, nothing that you can do that will make him love you any less. But if you want more, you have to surrender. About a week ago, I went through this training in how to make disciples. We were walking through the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Someone pointed out, it seems like Jesus calls us to one step of obedience at a time. 
do this one thing and then I will give you more. With that obedience comes blessing after blessing. But I was reminded that as followers of Jesus, the very first thing that we are asked to do when we give our lives to him is get baptized. And I don't think that's a coincidence. That is possibly the easiest thing that he could ask us to do. You don't have to make the water special. There's no special place you have to do it. Just in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, get dunked. That's it. We can talk about the significance of baptism and why Jesus asks us to do it, just like with any command. But the bottom line is we do it because he tells us to. And it's an easy step of obedience that propels us into walking with the Spirit. And as we obey, one tiny death at a time, we grow in the fruit and look more like Jesus every day. And guys, I say all this to say, first and foremost, if you haven't been baptized, do it. But also, if you're feeling stuck, maybe it's because you didn't do the last thing that God told you to do. And too often when we don't see growth in ourselves, we begin to make excuses like, I just have an addictive personality or I'm just an angry person. And the truth of the matter, guys, is when we have that mindset, we're just choosing to walk in our flesh in our own human existence with so little faith that God is big enough to change us at the deepest level, to transform us into people we never thought we could be, to free us from the things we never thought we'd be free from. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. And it usually doesn't happen in a moment. It can. God can absolutely bring breakthroughs in a moment to free us from addiction, suffering, you name it. But more often than not, it takes time. Today, I can claim self-control over the things that used to control me, but it took years of waking up and choosing Jesus, of abiding and pursuing him. It took time. Another book, The Relational Soul, also highly recommend. The authors say that transformation is harder than we want and takes longer than we expect. Could not be more true. For the rest of our lives, we will be growing and changing. We will never reach perfection, and that's okay, freeing even. You can still look better than you did a year ago, and that's incredible. I am not free from my sinful nature. That part of me will exist until the day I die. But what I can control is the decision to let the Holy Spirit lead my life by choosing to die to myself every day. And then I get to watch the Holy Spirit change me into the person I want to be, more like Jesus, every day. So, what do you need to do today? What's getting in the way? If God has been laying something on your heart for you to surrender, if he's revealing something to you right now, I urge you, do not ignore that. Some of you need to press into a community. Open up, be vulnerable. I promise you will not regret it. Some of you need to make the discipline of silence and solitude a habit. Before Jesus can do anything in and through us, we are called to be with him. Without Jesus, we cannot. Without us, he will not. And some of you need to forgive someone. Maybe you're harboring bitterness and resentment in your heart and you need to let go and give that weight to God. Some of you need to get baptized. A thousand tiny deaths, one step of obedience at a time. The moment we give our lives to Jesus, we are saved, set free, made new. We receive the Holy Spirit, but we are also immediately invited into making a daily decision to give up our own way, pick up our cross and follow him to nail the passions and desires of our sinful nature to his cross and crucify them there. And as we let the Holy Spirit lead, he promises we will find love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, a kind the world cannot give. And guys, I wanna make sure it's so clear. This is an incredible invitation deeply rooted 
in God's love for you. If you're like me, I can get lost in the doing. What do I need to do? And lose sight of why I'm doing it. It's all because of the love of God. You and I were created to be loved by God. Before anything else, God wants you to be with him and he loves you deeply. If you're not a follower of Jesus in the room today, I want you to know that you were invited into all of this true freedom, a relationship with Jesus, an identity rooted in the Holy Spirit, and you can make that decision today, right now. God is waiting with open arms saying, come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. He is constantly pursuing you because he loves you and wants you to live in a relationship with himself where you will find love, supernatural joy, a peace you cannot explain. You know the list by now. If you are a follower of Jesus in the room today, be encouraged that you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living and working within you. There's nothing he cannot do if we are open enough to let him guide our lives. Our one command, let him. That's it. Let me pray for us, guys. Holy Spirit, thank you for the incredible gift of your fruit that you promise to anyone who abides in you. Thank you for your presence and power that you are alive in us, working in and through us for your glory and for our good. Pray that we would all leave today with a deep confidence in who you are and what you did for us. Thank you that we get to know you, that we get to experience a relationship with you and be a part of your kingdom, your family. We pray for more of you, more of your fruits this week as we go out. Pray for supernatural joy this week over this room. I pray for your peace. Jesus, you say you are the Prince of Peace, that you are with us always. Pray that we would always know how much you love us, that that love would pour out onto others this week. Pray that you would grow us and shape us to look more like you, more patient, gentle, kind, good, faithful. And I pray for self-control, God, for the strength, your strength to choose you every day. Show us where we need to surrender and lead us. Holy Spirit, guide our lives into true freedom.